Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Resurrection Sunday, and I will be thematic today, keeping in mind with that. We look at the word of the Lord. The Bible says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? They cried unto the Lord, and the Lord shewed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, will do that which is right in his sight will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam where were twelve wells of water, three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Amen. This morning I would like to pull my subject from verse number 25. Whenever Moses cried to God because it was the cry of the people and they said, what shall we drink? Peculiar response, the Lord showed or gave unto Moses. He showed him a tree. Now I'd like this morning to minister to us this subject. The answer is a tree. The answer is a tree. Amen. Can we bow our heads and pray? Ask the Lord to help us in the next few moments. Father, I love you today. God, we're grateful, Lord, for this gathering together of people, that our gathering together would be very empty and in vain if it were not for you. God, and so we come today with a time of celebration. We come today, Lord, with a time of remembrance. Lord, not just for what was done in the past, but something that's so powerful and so effective that it's still having an impact on our today and our future. I pray, Lord, minister to the lives, God, and the set, Lord Jesus, in this place this morning. We will not fail to give you the honor and the glory for what you do in this house. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Can everyone say amen? You may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell him the answer is a tree. The answer is a tree. The setting of scripture just comes after what we know to be the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army had been drowned. The waters have come crashing back together. The depths have covered Pharaoh and his army. And no sooner than the waters stop lapping upon the banks of the Red Sea, the Israelites enter into what is known as the wilderness. The symbols along the edges of the tambourine ceased now from clanging. 
all of the shuffling feet of the dancing ladies in their celebratory dances now have stopped and slowed down just to a steady walk. The refrains of the song of Moses and the songs of Miriam now just settle to a dull hum among the Israelites as they are making their first footprints into the sands of the wilderness. But what's lingering is in the air is victory. What's lingering in the air is an attitude of celebration of the victors that have just come through the Red Sea. A long-time foe has been defeated just a few moments ago. A line, if you will, has been drawn at the Red Sea. And bondage was losing its hold upon them. And all they could see over the horizon was their total freedom that was in the very near future. And perhaps as they started in this new adventure in the wilderness, perhaps some of the bodies of their formal rivals are washing upon the shore, still visible from where they are traveling. And they may have thought to themselves, maybe even pinched themselves if they had to, this isn't a dream. Something good has really just happened unto us, and we have reason to celebrate. As a matter of fact, the fact of the matter is this, leaving Egypt was only the beginning of their newfound liberty that they had. Crossing the Red Sea was just another stage in their journey of freedom. Amen. There would be a lot of stages. There would be a lot of degrees of deliverance that they would come to and that they would encounter and embrace before they ever reached Canaan. They would need the assurance, though, of those initial memories as the days ahead would transpire. The Bible says that three days into this wilderness journey, they found no water. The last thing that you want to hear, three days into a parched land, three days into a wilderness, is to hear that there is no water. Because three days ago, they had just left the Red Sea. And now they are without water. For that matter, even any water that they had in, in, in skins of goats or whatever type of container they may have had, regardless, after three days, that, that's been exhausted on their families. That, that's been exhausted on their livestock. They are without water. And it's then that they really realize they're in the wilderness. They're in a place that's known to be the great and the terrible wilderness. This is where drought abides. This, this is where the lack of water is constantly at. This is a problem that they're probably going to face in their whole journey through the wilderness, being without water. And what happens, the body can survive days without food, but we're talking about water. They're starting to get thirsty. Their skin is starting to peel off their lips. The back of their throat's getting just a little sore because they're thirsty for water. They're, they need water in order to survive, and it's dependent upon having that in their life for any type of survival. And as they approach a place the Bible says is called Mara, they understand their only thing that their eyes focused upon, this is a place that has water. And by all appearances, this is exactly, boys, this is exactly what we need. We've been three days without it. Our resources are slack. There's no more drops of water in our vessels. This is exactly what we need for life. This is exactly what we need for survival to continue on. And Mara was the answer to their murmuring. Mara was the answer to their complaint until they tasted it. Because at Mara, the problem wasn't a lack of water, but a water that was so bitter that you couldn't drink it. A water that was so distasteful, you wouldn't want to consume it. 
There was water and maybe water everywhere at Mara, but there was not a drop of water that you could drink. And folks, there is nothing as disappointing. I think we can all relate with this. There is nothing as disappointing as being very thirsty. Only to grab a substance with the expectation, this is going to quench my thirst. This is going to do the trick. Only to realize maybe it was tea that sat on the counter overnight and you didn't know it. And now it's putrid. It don't have the same taste that you were expecting. And you cannot undo that taste. Can't undo that taste. You can spit and sputter and wipe your mouth, amen, with a wash rag. You might even try to mask it over with something else. But you cannot undo that taste. And the very thing that they had need of, the very thing that they have desired, amen, proved to be bitter here at Mara. Someone say amen. And so at Mara, they were met with disappointment. They had expectations, but their expectations were not met. They thought it was what they were needed, but what was there for them was not exactly what they had need of. And they had not braced themselves along the journey for such frustrations. They had not braced themselves for such disappointments. Because all they can remember is the life they had as bond slaves back in Egypt. They understood back then that Egypt had been bitter to them. The Bible even says whenever they left Egypt, they had a meal that had bitter herbs in it, just reminding them about the, the, the way that Egypt had been bitter in their life. And so now you're telling me on a route to the promised land, on the route from bondage to freedom, I'm still met with some bitterness along the road or the journey. I declare here this morning that each and every one of us probably coming to this place at some different juncture in the road, whether you're there now or you have been there or you've been there in your past, that you've all come to a place of Mara, that you thought there was some water that was going to be able to quench your thirst. You thought there was going to be a substance there that was going to cure your ills, only to find out it's bitter water. We've met wretched plans. We've met blasted hopes. We've met an accusing conscience maybe in our own minds. Some of you may be sitting here this morning on the verge of losing property or perhaps you've received a bad diagnosis from the doctor concerning your health and it's sinking uh, away from you and there's prospects that are clouded in your mind's eye. You have friends that are leaving on the left and on the right and you're thinking in your mind, I'm alone on this journey in life and the very thing that I thought would be able to supply it can't supply it. It's bitter. Why? Lack of health, lack of wealth, disappointment, frustration, overwhelmed with problems, overwhelmed with sorrow, overwhelmed with all this trouble. But no doubt the Israelites thought, man, we've been marching for a long time. The climate is hot. Amen. We've endured a lot of fatigue. And it seems like all we got to show for it are bitter water. Someone say amen. Unsavory circumstances. I know today. That in a crowd this size, there's some people come in here hurting. There's some people that's come in here with issues in your families that you'd rather not speak of. There's some of you that's just at the end of your rope and have tied a knot, so to speak, to hang on. And all that life has served you, it seems, or at least you feel, are bitter waters. You need something for survival. You need something to get to the next leg of the journey. But life has served you bitter waters. I'm sure the Israelites felt the same. I'm sure they would have liked to join their voice with Jacob when he said, all these things are against me. Because there's just times in life, in your journey in life, that it feels just like that. When one thing comes undone, everything comes undone. And all of life is against me. There's times that people, good people, 
Good moral people, strong people, even feel like there's no use to go on. They don't even see reasons for living because they've been disappointed by life. They've been disappointed by the very thing that they thought would bring happiness. They've been disappointed by the very thing that they thought would bring promise. And so there's a question that begs answering among the Israelites. Moses, what shall we drink? And so Moses takes their question and cries unto the Lord, Lord, what shall we drink? And the Lord, in his ultimate knowledge, shows him a tree. Now listen here, folks. <laughs> Me and you, okay? Let's get real. If I asked you, what do you have to drink? And you took me to your front yard, showed me a stately elm. I'm not feeling too encouraged at this moment. Moses, God, we're thirsty down here. We're in need of water down here. We can't deal with the bitter waters down here. This is all we got. What are we going to drink? Look at that tree. Now what does looking at a tree have to do with quenching a thirst? What does a tree got to do with a bitter situation that I'm met with here? How can a tree offer life-sustaining water that the body is in need of in order to live? Now understand, all, all, all the, 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 the people that want to save the environment, understand they tell me that a healthy tree consists of about 80% moisture. Maybe you could tap it and get a few drips out of it. I don't know. But, folks, whenever I'm considering I'm thirsty, I'm at my wit's end, if I don't have water in the next few days or moments, life is on the hinge. I need something besides a barked-up tree, amen, to somehow get any type of moisture. Have you even considered the odds? We have at this moment in time, the proportion is unbelievable. Listen to me today. The Israelites leave Egypt, the Bible says, with 600,000 men besides their wives, besides their children, besides their livestock, and out of this huge, great number, God says, one tree. That's like all of us gathering around some tree out here, thinking it's going to quench each and every one of our thirst. Yet that is exactly was the case here in Scripture. All of these different people gathered together, livestock and animals, and God says, there is a tree. But folks, this morning, what happened in what God said and what God brought was not human ingenuity. This did not follow the line of human thought. Even people of that area still yet today, they say they know of no such tree that can somehow make bitter waters sweet. They don't know of any such tree in that area that can do what was done in the book of Exodus because the power was not in the tree itself. The answer to the water problem, the answer to the thirst problem then and even now is a tree solution. What shall we drink? God says, let me show you a tree. Someone say amen. amen. Whenever we consider the book of Exodus, one of the major themes throughout the book of Exodus is the theme of redemption. Even the book of Hebrews goes back 
and it speaks about how Exodus through great lengths it shows the book of Exodus has many signs and symbols that point toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus in the New Testament scripture said in Luke 24 and 44, he said that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning Jesus said me. Paul said in Acts 28, 23 that he was persuading converts concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning unto evening. In other words, these Jesus and Paul were saying the scriptures of the Old Testament, they were talking about the Lord. Some of the different symbols and the things that you read of and seen and the stories that were told in the Old Testament, they were talking about Jesus Christ. Insomuch that John said in chapter 5 in verse 39... He said, search the scriptures, which at that time they only had the Old Testament canon. He said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have light, eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Jesus was speaking those words. He said, look at the scriptures, left to right, Genesis all the way to Malachi. He says, and you'll see what they're talking about. They're talking about and testifying about me. Someone say, amen. And so the stories of the Old Testament leading up to the New Testament, they all have one finger and they're all pointing to one place and they're pointing toward Jesus Christ. That's the reason why for Abraham and Isaac that was on Mount Moriah needing a lamb and needing a sacrifice, it was a ram that was caught in the thicket that was pointing toward Jesus Christ. At other times through the wilderness, he was the manna. The bread from heaven that came down that was pointing toward Jesus Christ. At another time, he was that which was raised upon the pole in order for the people to get their healing and their deliverance. That was then pointing toward Jesus Christ. Just as they left Egypt, it was the Passover lamb that was slain to keep the death angel from passing by. That was a finger that was pointing toward the sacrifice of the cross where bitter waters were made sweet for you and I. Someone say amen. But in John 7, the scripture is on this wise. It says in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not Yet glorified. It was the last day of the feast. The feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles. The Jews had many major feasts, but this was one of them. This feast of tabernacles and what they would typically do during these first seven days of this feast. They would take a procession from the temple down to the pool of Siloam. And they would go there and get a pitcher of water. And they would take that pitcher of water back to the temple. And they would pour it out there every day. That would be the beginning of their day. A procession from the temple down to the water. To bring the water back to the temple. But on the last day 
of these seven days. But that had been done day after day as they go down to the pool of Siloam and get that pitcher of water and come back to the house of God. And perhaps they were on the brink of pouring it out. But Jesus Christ lifted up his voice and he said, listen here, if you are thirsty, if you need or if you are lacking water or if you've been subjected, if I might say, to some bitter waters, come unto me and drink. He went a step further. He says, I'll go a little further than just giving you a drink. I'll put a source of living water inside of you, uh, the Bible says. And he was talking about the people receiving the Holy Ghost, that spirit that they would receive. But at this juncture in the road, it's not available. It's not accessible. It's not been given because Jesus hasn't been glorified. Someone say amen. See, what is called glorified or the glorification in Scripture? The glorification is the capstone to everything that the cross or the tree started. See, the sequence of events that we celebrate during this time the sequence of events that even follow the death of Christ on the cross or the tree each depend upon the previous step. Meaning this, that the death on a tree necessitated then a burial. A death necessitated a burial. But a burial gave way to the possibility of a resurrection. And a resurrection, though, gave forth possibility to ultimately the glorification. Someone say amen. So when we talk about it was not yet given or the water was not yet provided until he was glorified. But the beginning of the glorification starts with a tree. The beginning of the glorification starts at Calvary. The beginning of the glorification starts at Golgotha. And then just the unfolding of events. The death takes a barrel. The barrel gave way to a resurrection. And the resurrection gives way to a glorification. But it all started back at a tree. Someone say amen. Jesus even told his disciples in John 16, 7, he says, nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth. He says, it is expedient for you that I go away. He says, but if I go not away, the comforter, but he said in John 14, 26, what's the Holy Ghost? He said, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So the tree gives way to the death to the burial, to the resurrection, to the glorification, to the possibility of us receiving the Spirit, which is living water in us. In other words, simply stated, Jesus' work on the cross, Jesus' work on a tree provided living water for you and me. Let me say it, I said, his work on a tree provided living water for you and for me. What shall we drink? God showed them a tree. Who would have ever thought of this? Elm, Oak, Gopher, Achaia, Shidem, all these different, who would have ever?
never thought of that. I mean, at the bitter waters, Moses cast a tree into the waters, and they were made sweet by it. The bitterness was removed, or might even say the bitterness was converted into sweet waters by joining what was bitter with a tree. But the miracle of the tree in this fact was that it removed the bitter by placing the tree in the bitter waters. But at Calvary, the cross removed the bitter by placing the bitter on the tree. In so much that he who knew no sin became sin and allowed himself to be affixed to the tree and through that venue, the bitter waters of this life, the lost hopes, the wounded plans, the diagnosis that are terminal, all of life's upheavals down and outs was affixed to the tree. And in that moment, some bitter waters of life that we thought would sustain us, we thought would help us, we thought would set us free, were taken to a tree. And at the tree, they were made sweet for you and I. Someone say the answer is still a tree. Hallelujah. It is. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 14, speaking of what took place on that, that tree, he said, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Contrary to us, that sounds pretty bitter. That sounds pretty unsavory. That sounds pretty distasteful. He said, I took those handwritings of the ordinances that were against us and contrary to us, and I took it out of the way. How? Because whenever you said, God, we need something to drink, in the New Testament, he's still pointing toward a tree. When they come up to some unsavory circumstances, the Old Testament, he says a tree. But in the New Testament, it changes not. He's still pointing toward a tree. Someone say amen. Everything that's against you. He said, we bought it out. We nailed it to the tree. Old Testament, the tree was put in the bitter. The New Testament, the bitter's put on the tree. Uh-huh. So whatever you come in here carrying today, whatever load that you've been languishing under today, whatever label or name is on it today, there is a cross that still stands. There is a tree that is still accessible, that a nail can pierce through whatever that circumstance may be. And no matter how bitter it may be, and it can be affixed to a tree, that a man that was affixed there with your sin and my sin went to a tree and provides some living water, some tasteful water, some, if you will, exhilarating water for you and I. Can someone say amen? Walk with me here. The answer is a tree, but the answer has always been a tree. A tree or at least derivatives, walk with me here, of a tree that's been instrumental throughout the Bible. You may call them a rod. You 
may call them a stack. You may call them an ark. You may call them a handle. You may even call them a tent pad. But they're all connected to a tree. Walk with me here. The Bible says a tree is this. A tree is Moses' rod, which became the rod of God, being involved in many of the miracles and the deliverances of the children of Israel. It was a tree. David even admits in the Psalms, he says, though I walk through the valley of what? The shadow of death. That sounds like some bitter water to me. He said, my rod and my staff, they comfort me. The basis for a rod and the basis for a staff is a tree. In other words, David was saying, in the valley of circumstances and bitter waters, the answer for comfort from, for me still comes from a tree. Someone say amen. The answer has always been a tree. See, a tree, a tree is the wooden ark that Noah made, he and his family, of gopher wood. That was for what? The refuge of all the creatures of the earth. The answer for them was a tree. A tree is a stick. This is not maybe a well-known story, but the tree is a stick that a man cut down and threw into a body of water in order to save an axe head that was borrowed from somebody else that he had lost. And due to the tree, the man was able to retrieve what he lost. Where he fell, he was able to pick it back up again because of a tree. The story is no different today. We might be sitting in this place with people that have suffered some losses. You may have even suffered some losses with your relationship with God and what he's endowed with you. But we can still go to the source of a tree. And where you lost it is where you can find it. If we just get... If we incorporate the tree. Someone say amen. tree is a wooden tent peg that a lady by the name of J.L. held confidently firm in her hand as she approached the feared foe of Israel as he slept and with one swift hit of what normally was wooden pegs for tents. One swift hit of that wooden peg would cause the tree to penetrate the skull of the enemy and secure victory for Israel. A tree. But not much different now. How one rugged tree with Christ affixed to it driven through Golgotha, the place of the skull, would do the same for our generation. It's always been a tree. Someone say amen. Term it in the New Testament cross. Other writers also termed it a tree. The Bible tells us in Acts 5.30 that they slew him and hanged him on a tree. The Bible tells us in Acts 13, 29 that they took him, speaking of Jesus, down from the tree. 
The Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that cursed is everyone. Speaking to the Lord. That hanged us on the tree. First Peter 2.24 said, He, Christ, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. As a matter of fact, John the Revelator, Sister Craig, was so certain of the answer, having always been a tree, that when he begins to describe the book of life in the book of Revelation, he describes it as the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What? The book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world? The Lamb was slain at Calvary. That wasn't at the beginning of the world. Maybe not. But in the mind of God, from the beginning of the world, when one tree stole from Adam and Eve what they started with, he already had in mind the answer, another tree down the road that would give back to them everything that they had lost. Someone say amen. amen. So folks, there is a stage on this journey from Egypt to Canaan, from bondage to freedom that necessitates a tree. In essence, in Exodus 15, verses 25 and 26. What shall we drink? The Lord shows them a tree. Cast into the waters. Bitter waters are made sweet. The Bible says that God made statue. Made an ordinance. He proved them. He tells them about to keep his commandments and his ways and do that which is right. The diseases of Egypt won't come upon them. He's saying all these things. In other words, <clears throat> Jesus was saying that he had taken away, if you will, the bitter waters. And if we could harmonize it with the New Testament scripture about blotting out the ordinances as written against us, he said, I've taken away, if I could say, paraphrasing, some of the old ordinances. But with me taking away the old, let me initiate and create a new ordinance for you. Look what he says now. <laughs> he says in verse number 26, after he goes through this list about the commands of God, and the righteousness of God, and the ordinance and all this, he finishes it up with this. He says, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. God stayed true to even what he did through the life of Christ to help people's understanding. He gave them an object lesson and then applied the truth to real life. He says, I pointed you to a tree. The tree was the instrument that helped make the bitter waters sweet. In like manner that the tree did the healing of the waters. He says, I am the healing You'll stand. I'll hasten to a close here this morning. But I don't want to close without your attention looking at verse 27. Sister Rhonda, if you could help me, Exodus 15, verse 27. Please note verse 27 here. After Mara, the Bible says that they came to Elam. 
they encamped there at Edom. Historians and maps that I could get my hands on tell me that Elam is just six to seven miles from Mara. Elam with 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees, just six or seven miles from where unsavory, distasteful, bitter waters were in this wilderness journey. If I may say it differently this morning, not far from the bitter water. And more importantly, listen to me today, not far from where the tree was. Just a little beyond, Sister Craig, was a place that was established called Elam. Listen to me. The word Elam means this. Strong trees plural. Here's the, here's the fact of the matter, folks. We had people approaching Mara that already was weak. People that were approaching Mara already dissatisfied with what life had served them over the past three days. And the disappointment of Mara was what they perceived to be their answer. It was nothing but a disappointment. Another, might I say, disappointment. But it was at that critical juncture that God showed them a tree that changed the dynamics of their circumstances in that moment. If I can just take us here today, if you can get to the place where the tree was, a little further beyond that, a little further past that, he can make each and every one of us strong trees. The Bible says, David said in Psalms 1, and I'll read these few verses of Scripture and we'll come to a close. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorn. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate. Daily. Look at verse 3 there. Speaking of this type of man, he says, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his seed. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Here's the fact of the matter. If you're going to get to where the strong trees are established, you're going to have to go by a way where the answer is only one tree in the process. In order to get to Elam, you're going to have to pass by Mara. But you're not left without an answer. There's a tree that can embolden us to become strong trees just a little beyond that point. Just a little beyond that juncture. 
Folks, I don't have no, anything new to tell you today. No doubt you've been a part of Resurrection Sunday Easter services before. They talk about his death. They talk about his burial and his resurrection. They talk about the dream. I got the same sermon that they've had for centuries. The answer, though, that I want to put in your mind, though, today is this. The answer has not changed. There's not going to be a point of time we come to this place and we got some newfangled idea that's, that has arose as a better answer or a more suitable answer to the circumstances and the bitter waters of your life. Here's the thing. It's not changed. The answer is a tree. It's been a tree. And it's still going to be a tree for the future. So if you're asking me today, Pastor McGee, what am I going to drink? I'm in dismay right here. I'm thirsty. My survival depends upon maybe even this service today. I point you to a tree. I point you to a tree. I point you to a tree. Take your bitter waters and let them sweep. He'll provide living waters, not just for you, but in you. A spring up to everlasting life. The answer has always been a tree. Can we close our eyes in this place all across this building? Church family that may be here, if you can start lifting your hands, you begin to pray. God would help us in this moment. I'm going to open this altar. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.